0: Spy Cops Info Podcast Episode 6 Kate Wilson and the Investigative Powers Tribunal Part 1 the Spy Cops Info Podcast. My name is Tom Fowler and today I'm joined with... Kate Wilson. And Ben. Um, Kate Wilson's been at the Investigative Powers Tribunal recently after a, a, 10 years of trying to bring a case. Let's talk about what the Investigative Powers Tribunal is and how it, how you got there. Because this, this um, tribunal is taking place at the same time as the, uh, the second uh, phase of the first tranche of the undercover policing inquiry, I haven't followed it as closely as I would most, uh, most any other legal happening about the uh, undercover policing, so, so do you want to fill us in with what happened?
1: <laughs> yeah okay, it's A an unhappy coincidence, we're not going to get into conspiracy mm. theories here, but it was an unhappy coincidence that they timetabled my trial to coincide with the hearings of the SpyCops inquiry um, and it in meant that... J- in terms of a timeline, when,
0: when did you start this, this process to go to the IPT?
1: Well, we filed the claim in 2011 Right. So this has been going for ten years. Um,
0: I mean, so that's f- that's a that's a good four years before Theresa May announces the undercover policing inquiry. Um, that manages to get started beforehand, but still manages to clash with something which you know. Has been
1: well, it, this this the the hearing the week the hearing week no. wasn't set in no, twenty eleven. No, no, no. Um, no, so we actually filed the claim in the High Court. And it was a claim filed by eight women, me and seven others. And three of us included uh, claims under the Human Rights Act. So the, the other five women, the relationships that they had happened before the year 2000, which is when the Human Rights Act came into effect. Right, yeah.
0: Um, I mean, like, so, I mean I just for context, I was going through court at the same time. We had a lot of the same hearings. It was me and the two women from Cardiff. Um, so, like we, you know, there was. I remember the thing of being that, like, some of some of us were able to claim certain things, and others weren't, just from where things, things happened. Well. well, so, so yeah, this is this is really interesting because
1: you and me, okay. the High Court and the Court of Appeal, because yeah. we didn't originally file these claims right. in the Investigatory Powers Tribunal. Uh, we filed them in the High Court, and the police uh, filed an application to get them struck out of the High Court because. In the year 2000, when the Human Rights Act was enacted, some bright legal spark scratched their head and said, hmm, this is going to pose problems for the secret state. Uh, because, of course, a lot of what the secret state does on the face of it violates the Human Rights Act. It violates the right to privacy, it violates potentially the right to uh, freedom. If it, like individual freedom, it, ri- it violates the right to uh, freedom from torture yeah. uh, there's a whole bunch of, of potential and actual violations that the secret state is capable of and so what they did back in the year 2000 was they created the Regulation of Investigatory Powers Act mm-hmm. which is affectionately known as REAPER to its friends and, um, and alongside REAPER they established the IPT the IPT is the Investigative Powers Tribunal and it's a court that exists to specifically look at allegations of human rights abuses by the secret... Don't, don't pick up the aeroplane there. Um, by the by, the secret state...
0: No, we're going to have to wait for that. It's more. all right. I mean, <laughs> It's, it's background noise of the realities of being London
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah we're, we're, we're on the uh, Heathrow flight path <laughs> right yeah to give a
0: context the, 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 the court keeps only just the other day we've currently got the inquiry going on this is why I'm in London doing this this interview now like but um, yeah I mean the, the IPT like it's 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 more than just the court that looks into these things it's a highly secretive organ, uh, institution within the Home Office um, it's obviously you know in um,
1: it's a tribunal which, at the time, back in two thousand and eleven, um, had only heard cases in secret mm. and had found in favour of the government in ninety nine point nine something.
0: Yeah, and if I remember correctly, it was, it was 13, 13 individual points they'd ever like found against the government. So I seem to remember that it was one of the um, one of the things that we used to say was that like oh, well, this is the end of your this will be the end of your claim if this doesn't work then so well I yep. could go to the IPT but nobody goes to the IPT what's the point they're so secretive we get nothing out of it yeah um
2: yeah like that's what you <laughs> what, did what happened <laughs> yeah right um,
0: well so,
1: so a few things happen. one of the things that happened of course is that we've dragged this out for a really long time so they've yep. got our claims kicked out of the high court and into the IPT yeah the High Court claims went ahead and most of those claims yours and yep. the seven other women who were bringing claims with me got settled out of court through mediation yeah. and that was the end of the claims
0: Yeah, and, and I mean I remember like, I, I, I had one of those and one of the things that I couldn't do was bring a case at the IPT it said that they're yep. black and white in my settlement
1: yes so what happened in my case was yep. that uh, we failed to reach an agreement at mediation yep. um, and I was able to continue my civil claim and my civil claim eventually was settled uh, because, so I think it's important to put it in context, the reason why we brought these claims in the beginning was because we wanted answers.
2: yeah.
1: You know, it wasn't, it wasn't because we wanted money, it was because we wanted answers. And the one of, I mean, so uh, the, the the legal systems are, uh, in the UK is a very bizarre and slightly creepy thing. That that a lot of it is about money, <laughs> like, like
0: so much of <laughs> the British state. Yes. <laughs> it's horrid. so
1: so there there was an, there was a very unpleasant process of turning the damage done into a claim for financial damages, and because that's what. The courts demand, and that's
0: that. um It's literally the only thing you can do. I mean, like, I mean, you say it was about getting answers, but I remember, like, for me personally, anyway, and I think for some of the other people involved, it was, it was just one of the few ways that we could actually wrest control of the narrative and, like, kind of take something back against the police. Hmm. You know, it, it. It's not so much, you know, we knew that it wasn't going to achieve much, but we didn't, we didn't know what else we could do, right? Yes.
1: A, there's a great phrase that, that um, a very wise man I know once said, which is you keep on shooting till you run out of bullets and then you start throwing rocks. Um, and that's basically what we did.
0: Yeah. Um, that was Boots Riley from the coup. <laughs> you,
1: you just have to keep going. And I, rem- I actually remember when the other women in my claim were forced to settle. Mm. And the lawyers said to me, well, we don't think that the agreement that they're offering you is going to force you to settle. And so if you want to, you could carry on. I remember thinking, don't tell me that.
0: Mm. Tell me
1: that I have to settle. <laughs> Please, because if I don't have to settle, I have to go on. Right, exactly. absolutely. <laughs> um, absolutely. Absolutely. And so, and so you- I did. And then what the police did in my claim then, and this was... Uh, very frustrating and unpleasant at the time but also became quite relevant later on is they the next step that they took in my civil claim when we went back to the court was to withdraw their defense of liability Mm. in my claim so they effectively said we're not gonna defend the claim they pleaded guilty um but we are going to defend damages. Yeah. Which meant that, that it was no longer about what they had done. And yep. the entire court process became about the damages. The
0: quantum. Which yes. <laughs> which sounds so exciting, <laughs> doesn't it? The quantum. But it's just, yeah. So it's just the cash, man.
1: And, and what that meant was, around j- about the time I was turning 40, I had police psychiatrists and employment experts picking over the detritus of my life and their role was basically to provide expert witness evidence to the court that all my life's failures and mental health problems were my own fault um, that's fucking that is so it, was, fucking awful. it <laughs> so was absolutely awful it was a very very dark time yeah. um, and at some point I realised that back in the day it was Mm. about a year ago by then they had made an offer
0: Mm.
1: in the civil court and that although a year had gone by and that that would have implications for for the value of that offer I could just take the offer and walk away and I did that I can't. I mean I'm pretty much I was broken and I gave in and a few weeks after accepting that offer in the civil court but it wasn't a mediation offer, offer it was just an offer that was made in the civil court the IPT got in touch and said we understand that your civil claim has now been resolved you have a claim sitting in the IPT pending resolution of your civil claim do you intend to pursue? <laughs> that's one
0: of those
2: moments right? and I
1: went to my lawyers and I said seriously? I took the money and I'm allowed to continue to sue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And they said, well, yeah. Basically, the, yeah. Like, they.
2: The police must have been asking themselves the same question at that time. <laughs> it's like, hold on, we paid her and she continued, she's still able to take us to court. Mm.
0: I mean, is, is this one of these anomalies that happened only because Ripper is such a ridiculous piece of legislation? Well,
1: this is, this is it's not an anomaly. This is, right. this is what happened because the police struck our human rights claim out of the civil court right
0: yeah you know, this was own this own was
1: making. nothing to do with us. this was the police fought tooth and nail through a high court hearing and an appeal court hearing yeah to get those human rights claims put into the IPT and stopped and we received uh, shortly after that a letter from the police saying. The fact that we didn't defend liability in the IPT, uh, in the civil court, yeah. does not mean that we accept liability, and the apology that we made stating that your, that, you know, spy cops relationships abused yeah. your human rights, because of course when I settled the civil claim they extended the, apo- the public apology to me. Yeah does not mean that we accept any of the specifics of your Article 3 and Article A human rights claims. Um,
2: Sorry, but not sorry.
1: Yeah. Sorry, but not sorry, effectively. Um, At which point my lawyers turned around and said, well, yeah, we can continue to sue in the IPT because they have not admitted... The human rights claims that you made and there's also it's, a
0: it's quite impressive just <laughs> it is quite impressive that like the police are able to devalue their own apology even further i mean it's quite a, it's quite remarkable you think they are feeling so low and then we yeah. just
2: withdraw that as who, well, who was know. it they sent the letter of apology to but it wasn't even they didn't even have the right name on it and they said well just take it as read that it, it should have said your name it like <laughs> <laughs> it's not even a personal apology. No, no. Is I mean, you know, obviously, the, I, I
0: think the apology was a great achievement.
1: I mean, the I mean, the apology was a great achievement to get out of them, and at the time, you know, I mean, this is this has been the thing. Like they, they, they have fought this tooth and nail for so long. At the time the apology was an incredible achievement and it was also a great relief just them saying yeah this was wrong, yes this was an abuse of human rights. In terms of why we bought the case, part of it was getting answers mm. the other part was making sure it doesn't happen again
0: mm. and also and it was one of those rocks
1: and it
2: was <laughs> yes. one of those rocks
1: yeah so an important part of human rights claims is they are about looking at the facts, what went wrong, what happened and making sure it never happens again mm. you know, I mean that is like it, the, they are an instrument of the state to ensure that the government and the state apparatus re- mm. re- respect and uphold mm. human rights mm. um, so in that sense going to the IPT and going through the process of the IPT was was Important, um, because the, the, those declarations of which human rights were abused and why are the things that mean that those things kind of don't happen again. I mean, don't happen again. <laughs> the, 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 <laughs> Can a, be challenged yeah. easier when they happen again. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, How long ago was that that you kind of got this this green light to go to the IPT?
1: That was in April two thousand seventeen. Right. Um,
0: so it took four years to get to court, even just on that level. It
1: took four years in the IPT to get to court. Um, it was a long and painful battle, and mm. it started with the application to the IPT from the police to get what they wanted all along and why Mm. they sent our claims to the IPT which was um, an application for the entire hearing to be held in secret Mm. and that was where it started going wrong for the police because
2: You mean at the beginning?
1: At the very beginning. <laughs> yeah, well, no, I mean, I think, to be honest, it started going wrong for the police at the point where we settled the civil... It, they got set, caught. We settled <laughs> the civil claim, but yeah. started going wrong for the police at the point where they got when, caught, and it has basically been going wrong for the police ever since, but it started going wrong for them when, when the, we were able mm. to continue to bring the claim in the IPT. But the, the thing about the IPT and th- this is my interpretation, I don't really know what went on, and the, sure. the panel of the tribunal members who mm. made this decision back then are not the same ones that are sitting now. They looked at the case,
0: yeah.
1: and unlike every other judge who had looked at this stuff previously, um, all the other judges were like, "Oh, national security, undercover policing public interest immunity, we don't really know, we think we'd better keep all this stuff secret. The the IPT, that's what they do. I I remember the
0: atmosphere that day, um, after being in so many hearings of so many different types of courts about undercover policing, um, this felt like a home game um, for undercover policing sort of stuff. The the judges were like, oh right, yeah, and they they had quite a different... um, in, in, in other cases, yeah, the, the the police lawyers were throwing out certain terms, like basically this is above your pay grade. You know, it's above your pay. Grade. We couldn't possibly tell you, Your Honour. Whereas these judges were like, you know, you, you will tell us. You'll tell us all. Yes, because
1: that's our job.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> you'll tell us everything, and maybe we won't tell anybody else, but you'll tell us. Yes. Yeah.
1: Um, so that's that's the thing. Is this is, mm. uh, you know, this was the the reason why we didn't trust the IPT mm. and didn't want to go to the IPT, is actually I think the same reason why they've been such a good forum for Mm. looking at this, because they really appeared to take one look at the case, and they said, you know, we have secret powers, Mm. those secret powers are entrusted to us to protect national security, we know what national security is, and this is not it. Um, (laughs) and, And, you know, we are not going to abuse our national security powers to avoid embarrassment to the police. At that point, I mean, I didn't even attend the earlier... IPT mm. hearings because I live abroad I was working sure. and I really expected to get very short thrift yeah absolutely and yeah. after that ruling I started to pay attention because mm. I mean essentially we approached the IPT as we're going to the IPT we know there's going to point but we can't get to Strasbourg unless we've been through the IPT right that absolutely. was <laughs> yeah, yeah. that was the Which, the yeah. attitude in yeah. the beginning and then and then after that hearing I was like oh <laughs> And, yeah, that has been a really powerful, you know, working with a court that understands that what these police were doing mm. was not, you know, doesn't it doesn't get put in the same basket as anti-terror and it doesn't get put in the same basket as national security mm. like they were spying on ordinary mm. polit- people. Ordinary people conducting political mm. campaigns. Yeah.
2: Um,
1: and yeah, even the public inquiry into undercover policing does not appear to get
0: no, that. No, it, it, I mean, it, it really doesn't. Um, and I mean, that, something which we're going to be, which there's another episode, it might come out before this, it might come out after this episode, but we, we talk about that a lot. Um, yeah, the, 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 it's, there, there seems a real difference between uh, what the IPT are willing to, to look at and what what the inquiry are willing to look at and and the kind of context in which they deal with it but you were it was was, was a couple of years before you actually got to get to this point uh, that you you were in preparation for that you've had the same group group of lawyers, what happened with your legal representation during that time?
1: Well, so another quirky thing about the IPT (laughs) so the first rule of the IPT is there are no rules in the IPT (laughs) (laughs) Um, I I remember I remember when I thought it was
2: don't talk about the IPT (laughs)
1: When I became, uh, um, well, th- th- the first rule of the IPT is the IPT makes its own rules. Right. I mean, that, I think that literally is the first rule of the IPT, is the IPT makes its own rules. And I remember when I first became a litigant in person, and mm. we will get on to why, um, I, was, I received documents from the police, and they came with an email saying these documents are subject to IPT rules. Mm. So I wrote to the tribunal and I said, "Now that I'm a litigant in person, I, you know, I'm just finding my feet here. Could you just let me know what the IPT rules are, so I know what I can and can't do?" That followed about three weeks of back and forth emails and an IPT hearing. <laughs> <So> <laughs> where they discussed whereas what rules I was were. <laughs> expecting where, where there was a discussion about what the rules actually
0: were. I, what? So wasn't it wasn't a back and forth of them explaining it to you? No,
1: not at all. They said, we'll have to get back to you on that. We don't know. Wow. And then they said, well, no, you're going to have to tell us what it is you want to do with the documents, and then the police are going to have to respond, and then um, we will have to make a ruling. And so it was like, yeah, the, the police kind of... These are, these are documents are subject to IPT rules. Mm. Um, I don't really know what they thought they meant. But, mm. <laughs> but yeah, so it's, it's, it's quite a complex... Um, place to be a litigant in person Um, the other thing about the IPT is because of what it is because of what it's set up to do it is designated a costs free jurisdiction
2: Right.
1: and what that means is that you bring a claim in the IPT the state defends a claim in the IPT if you lose you don't have to pay the state's legal costs bloody hell that's good it's great. It's set up that way so that ordinary members of the public mm. can sue the government for human rights abuses in the IPT without risk of being coming, of being bankrupted.
2: But there's a catch.
1: But there's <laughs> yeah. a catch. If you win,
2: yeah.
1: the state don't pay your costs either. And what that means is that the state is able to throw its essentially infinite resources out of public money
0: yeah.
1: into application after application to delay, divert, go back on whatever right. proceedings. So basically we had the police lawyers putting sticks in the wheels of the process over and over again. I think we went through 12 or 13. I mean, several of the... the what are called directions hearings. Mm. They're like the the, the court hearings Mm. before the actual trial. Um, Several of those were cancelled because the police put in applications, withdrew them at the last Mm. minute. Some of them were also cancelled because of COVID. Mm. Um, But we had an insane number of directions hearings, um, often going back to review decisions that had already been made, getting repeat submissions from the police... Mm making points that they had already lost
0: mm. um i remember i remember, the, I remember uh, you know those things happening and the detail of them you know even for someone like me who tries to follow these things it was i was re- I, they were really lost on me i found it very difficult to get my head around because the, it was like you say it was going back on itself repeatedly and i remember talking to you about it and you explained it to me and me going i still don't
2: get it dude <laughs> <laughs> you know imagine huh? what it was like for the media because they covered uh the earlier admissions mm. Um, maybe from uh, kind of following on from the, the apologies but these submissions were drawn back Yeah. Mm.
1: so like they admitted stuff mm. they admitted more stuff they took back some of the stuff that they admitted I mean to be honest even in the final trial like my, my lawyer made a point about how the police had made admissions under article 11 mm. back in my, and I'm like no 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 they never admitted that and then I looked back and I was like, oh my god, they did admit that. And mm. now they're denying it. Like, what's What's going on? Like, I didn't even notice that. You hadn't noticed they've
2: admitted it and now you've noticed. No, I mean that obviously tried not to admit it. I had noticed that they <laughs> admitted
1: it, but when they withdrew their admissions, they withdrew that one. Mm. And didn't actually specify. So they made an application to withdraw certain admissions. And that one they just changed from admitted to denied in the document, and it just got through. Like <laughs> I, they
2: hadn't they hadn't withdrawn it. They just wrote
1: they just changed. They just I mean, changed it.
0: I mean, <laughs> like, on, on the media point, I mean, this has been a, a problem for, that, for so much of the process, and, uh, and it's almost like the, the British legal system is set up this way b- on behalf of the state. That like that these things can get so confusing. Yeah. Um, that like if, if you are a journalist who's trying to tell a linear story <laughs> to, to an yeah. audience, hmm. it's like well, I just hop, just let's like skip it for a bit, and we'll wait till we get to some sort of like resolution, yeah. and then I we'll mean, do that's story. pretty
1: much what I'm saying to the media now is right. let's just wait. Yeah. Until the end. Yeah. And I will tell you the story at the end.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Because at every stage, they have to go from the beginning. So, how did you meet him?
1: Yeah. I mean, every interview I do starts with, how did you meet Mark Kennedy? Which is like, okay, how do I get from 30? And (laughs) and it should be
2: that after 10 years, that's not that's not the story that's right, sto- that absolutely. bit of the story has already yeah, yeah. been told and uh, now you're talking
0: so just quickly uh, if any of the listeners to this podcast I can't imagine there'll be many don't know who Kate <laughs> Wilson is or what, what happened to oh, her yeah. women <laughs> <political> policing those <laughs> are police spies out of lives uh, website you'll find a section there called Kate's Story I'll put the note in the description of the uh, episode you can read it there we're not going to discuss it today because that's not what this episode's about but i just yeah.
2: yeah so how did you meet? <laughs> <laughs>
1: so anyway long story short
0: yeah.
1: we ran out of money Right, we ran out of money a long time ago. Yeah, um, and the legal team were defending me mm. for free. No, they weren't defending me for free. They were attacking the police for free. Yeah, um, <laughs> right. Because yeah, like I'm not on trial. Right. Um, but it must some, have felt it, like it's unta- it, it often, particularly it often with all does that psychologist,
0: police psychologist bullshit. Fucking yeah. Just oh. yeah.
1: No, I mean, it's it's. I still
0: get really angry about it's that tough whole thing. and also
1: I mean that whole. It wasn't until... I filed the claim in 2011.
0: Mm.
1: It was not until February 2020 Mm. that I received disclosure from the police. So for eight years, Mm. I was giving them huge amounts of Mm. extremely personal detail. I mean, they started out, you know, saying, well, how do we know this even happened? Mm. and you know that is at that point you have to say well this is what happened and here are the proof and here are the letters and the emails that Mark wrote to me and Mm. you know you have to you have to prove to them and they're not answering I mean that's not how it's supposed to work that's not how a claim would usually work you file a claim they file a defence they never filed a defence in my in my civil claim I don't believe they ever actually filed a defence they sent a number of letters yeah. Setting out bits of what their claim their defense would be, which have been quite useful because they again made claims, went back on them, so a main major part of the police defense at the final trial
0: yeah.
1: was well, we didn't need to say that police officers weren't allowed to have sex with people undercover because it's so bloody obvious it wouldn't need to be written down <laughs> at which point it became really useful to have a big stack of letters from the police legal team that said things like you there is no case to answer mark's relationship with your client was authorized under section 27b of reaper Uh, that may not be the right section if you're actually interested in the law i just made that up Um, (laughs) (laughs) but um but yes i'd be able to say well if if it's that bloody obvious why did your clients plead back in 2012 (laughs) that it was entirely authorised right. and you know why did your commissioner of police back in 2014 mm. say that it was inevitable mm.
0: um, I mean literally the, the, they created their own <laughs> their own yeah. problem so many times back at the time when we were like this is nonsense we didn't realise what gold we were getting really yeah. out of them
1: yeah yeah no that, that whole period before mm. they kind of settled on a this is absolutely outrageous and would Are never be awful
0: it die.
2: for such a <laughs> long time right <laughs> All of this might explain, I mean, this could also be a part of the delaying tactic to pump up costs and so price are out of the, out of the lit, uh, litigation, but um, the legal team was completely dumped and replaced several times.
1: Yeah, right. I think they had uh, five legal teams in six years.
0: Five legal teams. So we've seen a lot over the years of all the different um, undercover policing situations where the police have very rarely kept anybody on staff for too long. And, I mean, I I always thought in the past that was because they just couldn't get anybody good enough and, like, nobody wanted to do it and it was a shit job. Do you think it was that in this case or what do you think it was?
1: I honestly don't know. Mm. I honestly don't know. I mean, I, to be honest, like, it, it, as far as I was concerned, it was an, uh, 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 lines and lines of faceless lawyers in suits yeah. who were defending my abusers and mm. who I... I remember the face of the police barrister, I presume, who mm. who represented them at mediation and I remember he had a very unfortunate sneer that was his resting facial position and uh, that stuck in my mind, but in general, sure. I wasn't really aware of the police legal team until mm. the last legal team who mm. I ended up facing myself as a litigant in person took over and the only reason I became aware of them at that point was because they basically stepped in and said we're a new legal team and we're changing the rules um, Right. and they were the ones that withdrew admissions that had been previously made they were the ones that applied to stop the disclosure process which which by that time had been agreed uh, they were the ones who basically turned it around and meant that what was a process that was basically set to go to trial was now going to drag on for another two years. Mm. Um, and because that change of legal team was actually significant in terms of what happened in the trial, I started paying attention then.
0: Do you think they were literally at that point thinking, ah, if we can just drag it out two more years, maybe she'll give up at some point?
2: I think it works a lot. A I'm lot sure of the time. it works
1: a lot of the yeah. time. I, th- I mean, they obviously haven't, you know, despite <laughs> having spied on me for 12
0: years. This whole strategy of the state of just like, well, we'll just spin it out for as long as possible. Like, it's, it's one stroke of a pen somewhere in office. They go, make that last as long as possible she we'll drop out at some point. So lawyers then, you know, they, they literally, at, like, at the final hurdle, will go, well, we, c- we can stretch it for another two years, we'll do that. We'll yeah. do that.
1: I mean I think also there is uh, an attitude among the police which um all power to us I think we have overcome but it's a very good strategy generally which is drag this out the story will go away yeah you know and so like at some point this the the results of, of this will come out but by then no one will care. Yeah, yeah. and you know all power to you and the work that you do keeping the information out there and to people like rob evans who have you know been managing the news around this so that it doesn't go away mm-hmm. and like combating that war of attrition mm-hmm. that is one of the police's main approaches
2: to it also, also through delaying uh, you get, you know, documents have been mislaid; they're not coming back. You have people have retired; they uh, are no people longer in no a position. No
1: remember, they, or, or at least dead. can get away with saying <laughs> they no longer remember.
2: Right.
1: Um, but one of the other interesting things that, of course, happens with that is that history happens, mm. and we get to see who was on which side. Mm. So, I mean, that's been an interesting part of the spying against me not getting to court until ten years later. Right. Is things that I was doing that might have been radical at the time are now pretty damn mainstream. (laughs) Yeah, right.
0: Um,
1: You know, even being anti-capitalist is no longer a... Hardline extremist point of view, right? Absolutely. Um, and yeah, you know, climate change is now real. It's not a bunch of us yeah. waving placards and saying right. you'll be sorry. No, we're sorry now. We're all really bloody sorry. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, so yeah. In some ways, that dragging it out strategy has also, mm. I think, been yeah. good for us because, you know, there there was a time when maybe I would have been worried that they were going to turn around and tell the court the things that I was doing and that, and a, that a court might not look very kindly on that. Right. Um, because I was protesting around things that at the time were radical points of view. Yeah. But yeah. they were the right points of view. Yeah,
0: absolutely. <laughs> you know? Absolutely, yeah. We've
1: been... We've, yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and, you Indicated. know, that, that that time that they have... Mm. given us for history to happen has uh, mm. has entirely vindicated <laughs> yeah, everything I mean, that I, we did.
0: Yeah, totally. <laughs> I, mean, I, I haven't really thought about it that, but like it's, and it, it, it's funny, isn't it, what we see at the Inquiry right now, that the longer you leave it, you know, the more vindicated you are. At mm. you know, the Inquiry this week, it's been like apartheid and, you know, the, yeah. you, know, and like, you know, making rape illegal, all those kind of things, <laughs> you know, which... Which, like, I think we, we've all pretty much kind of accepted now. You know,
1: people don't understand that, like, in 1971, a woman, until 1971, a woman couldn't open her own bank account. Right. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah, and these yeah. are the struggles that the Women's Liberation Front were fighting yeah. back in 1969.
0: Yeah. Like, um... Yeah. So, anyway, it's, it's, it's taken this it's incredibly large, long amount of time. They've kicked the can down the road every single time they possibly can. But finally, like, literally, like, two weeks ago, you actually get your day in court.
1: Finally, we actually get our day in court. And
0: which, like, nobody's done. Like, <coughs> I, mean, like I don't, the, the first day of it last Tuesday was quite like it was quite an emotional experience for, for a lot of people because you know, some, met, like, uh, the eight women you brought the case with you, I, I brought a case with two at the same time, we had a, the hearings at the same time, but like, there's after that, there's 12 been more.
1: civil cases sitting in the courts at right. the moment, women who a, had relationships, it's there's been and,
0: numerous other cases, and like, finally, somebody actually got. Not the police in the dock maybe, but like we actually, <laughs> you've got a day in court on it, right? Yeah. And that was, that was a huge, huge step. If Whatever happens after that point, that's an enormous achievement, which like I'm, I'm personally incredibly in awe of.
1: Me too. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, so um, how did it go?
1: <laughs> well, um, I'm, I'm a little bit reticent. Mm. before hearing the verdict
0: of course to I mean, say we are, how i think you're waiting went. for the verdict still yeah. now so then. the
1: verdict is likely to take months there's mm. around 5 or 6000 pages of just of original disclosure mm. in the bundle um, on top of that there's 4 years worth mm. of legal mm. documents i think my statement alone is about 300 pages long right i will say this mm. the judges were very on it you know, I've been. Th- they were thorough. Mm. They were interested. They were awake. <laughs> you know, I've I've been in court before and watched the judges sleep through large mm. parts of the trial. I sure. mean, you know, so let's start with they were awake, but they weren't just awake. They were very on it. Mm. Um, and uh, you know, they'd clearly done some background reading mm. and um, were very interested. In mm. the legal questions at stake, and I think it's worth saying, so I haven't actually really set out what my claim is sure. um, or what is actually at stake now while we wait for the verdict. So we brought the claim in April 2017. Now, this the claim got kicked out of the uh, High Court quite early on in I think 2014 and well no it was before that and then it went to the appeal court but the the appeal court was like when it was completely shut down but the 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 claim that we made in 2011 Mm. was very shortly after finding out Mark had been a police officer human rights claims have a statute of limitations that means that you can only bring a human rights claim within 12 months Right. of the event taking place which makes it actually very difficult mm. to bring a human rights claim because of course human rights abuses knock you for six Absolutely and 12 months is not a very long time when you're recovering from something awful like that and
0: Particularly something which went on for so long uh, and you know they take the 12 months from the time when you knew but there's no Well the police knowing.
1: the police initially tried to get it thrown out on the basis that I was making a claim for things that happened back in 2003-2004 Right And we made the point that that clearly the statute of limitations had to start from the point where I was able to make a claim, which is the date that I knew. Even still, I was contacted by other activists with seven days before the limitations date was up to say, you can bring this claim, but you've got seven days to decide. Um, So back in 2011, I said, fuck it, put the claim in, I can always pull it out. I can always pull out if I... You know, I'll think about it later. And honestly, I haven't had an opportunity to think about it since then. (laughs) So, but yeah, that happened in 2011. And back in 2011, I'd just found out that my partner had been an undercover police officer. I was reeling from the personal betrayal. And we didn't have very much information about what went on. Come 2017... There's a public inquiry in place. We know an awful lot more about what went on. And by then I knew that Mark had not been the only undercover police officer I knew. There'd been at least five other undercover police officers in my life. They'd been saturating the political communities that I was a part of. And when we sat down with my lawyers and said, we're going to bring the claim, I was like, well, this this claim no longer describes what happened. Um, And we added uh, three additional claims to the claim that we were making. Right. um, Which were claims under Articles 10 and 11, the right to freedom of expression and the right to freedom of association, on the basis that they were quite evidently targeting people for our political beliefs. Absolutely. Um, A claim under Article 14 on sexist discrimination because of the sheer number of women who it was now, you know, it was just, there was so much mounting evidence Mm. that these sexual relationships were a systemic practice. This wasn't just something that happened to me.
0: This is institutional sexism.
1: And then claims against the police for all the other Mm. officers that I had known. So Mm. basically saying that the breadth and depth of the intrusion that I was subjected to, not just for that. 18 months that I was in a relationship with Mark Kennedy but for an entire 12-year period that we knew about um, was a breach of my right to privacy, freedom of expression and freedom of association. So so those claims were added in 2017 when the stay was lifted and we went back to court. Um, and the police were furious. They said we couldn't do that. We were outside of the statute of limitations and I wrote a very long statement um, we were going to court to have a hearing on whether the, we were outside the statute of limitations. I wrote a very long statement about ha- what had changed since 2014 when the stay was placed on the process and uh, why we weren't outside the statute of limitations because I couldn't possibly have known those things before um, and that this was basically the first opportunity that I had. The claim was already filed. The police read my statement and withdrew their application, which was terribly... That was one of the hearings that got cancelled. I was terribly frustrated because I very much wanted that statement to be read in court. Um,
0: right, yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs>
1: but, um, but, yeah, so then then those parts of the claim went forward. Now, the police quite quickly, after that, adopted the same tactic that they'd adopted in the Crown Court, which was to say, well, we admit that the sexual relationship that Mark Kennedy had was wrong mm. and was a violation of article 8 and article 3 mm. um, but they couldn't admit to institutional sexism they couldn't admit that six other spy cops operations that they'd had were a breach of article 10 and 11 rights you know those those were things that that, that they probably hadn't even contemplated mm. at that point. Yeah. Um, and so that part of the claim went on. Mm. And that's what we've been fighting about over the past four years, fighting over disclosure. And it became very clear very early on when we first started getting disclosure that uh, the police would make admissions in order to make disclosure go away. Mm. And the judges who... Like I say, are quite on it. Picked up and said, "Well, what you're essentially saying is that if we order further disclosure, there may well be more admissions. If we don't order further disclosure, then this is where the case is going to stay." Um, which, like I say, was was impressively perceptive of the judges. Um, and we continued to fight over disclosure. They continued to order further disclosure. And effectively, in October 2020. Yeah new admissions were made um, and they then admitted that um, the other officers had also breached uh, article 8 the right to privacy and that the operations directed against me were unnecessary in a democratic society but that the operations as a whole had been legitimate. It was just that the collateral intrusion in my case had not been taken into Mm. account and that that was unlawful. And at that point, they withdrew a number of admissions that they'd made about the state of knowledge Mm. among Mark's superiors of the relationship. So at the point where they were seeking to say, we've admitted enough, now this case needs to go away, they admitted that Mark's superiors were aware of the relationship and when disclosure con- was ordered to continue and the case carried on, they said, OK, well, in that case, we take that back. Um, <laughs> and um, so, yeah, those, those were the major questions that went to court. So the question of how far up the chain of command knowledge of the Article 8 and Article 3 violations went. And it's worth noting that the admission of an Article 3 violation is a very big thing Mm. so article three is the right to live free from inhumane and degrading treatment and torture Um, and unlike the right to freedom of association or the right to privacy it is an unqualified right which means that it doesn't matter what you're doing it doesn't matter how bad the state you are they are not allowed to torture you it's just not okay Mm. (laughs) it's
0: a fairly i mean like it's it's that, that kind of you know really basic thing that kind of makes you know yeah. makes the basis of a society in some way
1: <laughs> so the question of how far up the chain of command knowledge of this inhumane and degrading behavior by serving metropolitan police officers went yeah. is a big one um, the article fourteen um, sexist discrimination claim, again institutional sexism in the Metropolitan Police very topical at the moment mm. it's a big problem, everybody knows it's a big problem, the police do not want to admit that it's a big problem, so that's again a big issue that is has wider implications beyond mm. this claim and Articles 10 and 11 um, and it was very interesting in court because the police position on Article 14 and Article 10 and 11 was We've admitted admitted Article 8 and Article 3. They are the core abuses in this claim. There is no need for the court to find a ruling on Article 14, Article 10 or Article 11. They didn't offer any other defence. They simply said we think it is disproportionate and a waste of the court's time to be considering these
0: points. So So we've admitted to breaking the big laws... So you know, we rob the bank. Don't do us for speeding on the way out. Come on.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, but the thing is, these aren't. I mean, that's sort of the argument. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Except these aren't little laws.
2: No, quite, absolutely. (laughs) Um,
0: Yeah, maybe like you know, it's it's it's, it's more over the old lady. Yeah, (laughs) we rob the
1: bank. Don't do us for killing the security guard. Yeah, yeah, right. Um. So, so yes. that's what went to court right the the sexual relationship is wrong everybody knows now that the sexual relationship is wrong the police yeah. are saying that it's always been obvious from the very beginning that the sexual relationship was wrong and they don't understand why anybody could possibly suggest that this could be a practice because it's so obviously wrong
2: um, which is why they didn't need to put it like in words in any of the principles of conduct yeah they have
1: codes of conduct. Yeah. They have guidelines. It's not,
0: it's not at all. So has it been the same judges throughout that, that whole period? No.
1: Right. No, so so this is the, the point where the, the, the change of legal team yeah. that that was big mm. and significant coincided with a change of judges. Right. So I had this unbelievably frustrating hearing where everyone in the courtroom was hearing this stuff for the first time, presenting this stuff for the first time and I'm like, yeah, you guys are really enjoying I've been here for seven years, yeah. <laughs> and I'm not hearing anything new here. And I don't understand why this is being listened to. Um, but the new judges said, "Well, you know, we've got to give this a we've got to give this a hearing because yeah. we've not heard it before." Um, and the panel has changed again since then, but one of the panel members remained right. the same. Um, so, so yeah, we get to court, and the is basically looking at those i mean we had a list of 11 issues but it's basically under those four big headings um the question of how far up the chain of command the knowledge went is the big factual question that's the one where we're picking through the day-to-day documents from mark kennedy's operation Unfortunately, we're not picking through all the day-to-day documents from Mark Kennedy's operation because everything before February 2004 has mysteriously disappeared. Um, Now, that's the period where my relationship with Mark Kennedy started. Right. It's recorded in an intelligence report for the 18th of November 2003 that I spent the previous night at his flat. Um, That's the first night... Mark and I spent alone together it's recorded in an intelligence report I have no doubt that it was recorded in detail Mm. in his contact logs to his cover officer and probably discussed further up the chain, every single piece of operational record for that period has gone
0: Um, How convenient (laughs)
1: Indeed, indeed and no response has ever been given for the police about what happened to those documents um, they just don't have them. They just, I mean, at, at one point, Sir Stephen House, who is their s- slightly less than stellar witness, mm. um, suggested that maybe they never existed. <laughs> um, wow. At which point we had to go back to an earlier statement from one of their lawyers, which recorded the police notebooks issued to Mark Kennedy during that period, and uh, and say, "Well, no, look, mate, they did exist." <laughs> the sheer
0: gore. I mean, yeah. like, the, this speaks to the culture of the police that they will just, you know, deny, lie, whatever. Just keep th- throwing things out. You know, I mean, it's it, the, the brass neck to be able to do that. Is like. How on earth they find these people who are willing to talk like that in public is beyond me.
1: Hi.
2: Um <laughs> Aside from everything else, just to be able to just go out
0: there with a straight face, it's
2: like... Well, he, 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 he is a man who stepped down or was pushed out of the top of uh, policing in Scotland for uh, expenses scandals and all kinds of really, like... Uh, you know, a really huge, not just him, scandal in Scottish policing, stepped down and then reappears back as uh, deputy
1: commissioner yeah. for the Metropolitan Police days before signing the first witness. <laughs> so statement. So this, this
2: is a man who has some brass balls. I mean, th- this guy, this guy, I
1: mean, what the, my, my, my favourite part of it is this guy supposedly read 10,000 pages and produced a witness statement based on those 10,000 pages, which he signed on the 18th of January... 2018 or 2019, he took the role as Deputy Commissioner of Metropolitan Police coming out of retirement in January 2019. So if he did read those 10,000 pages, he did it in 18 days.
0: (laughs) Um. I mean, unless he was hired specifically to deal with you. He was the King Wilson hire. Well,
1: we were joking. That whoever ended up making the statement of truth in my case would be somebody very close to retirement. Yeah. I couldn't quite believe it when I saw that it had been signed by somebody who had, in fact, already retired. Mm-hmm.
2: Um, he wasn't entirely... I mean, he he was um, presented as uh, a witness who didn't have any direct knowledge of the, of the operational facts, which is probably t- true but it is worth noting that he attended ACPOTAN, um the Association of Chief Police Officers Terrorist and Allied Matters, which is basically the body that sits on top of the uh, counter-terrorism units and the National uh, Counter-Domestic Extremism Unit and indeed the MPOIU. So he was... Uh, not a disinterested party who just, you know, kind of independently comes in and writes this yeah. statement based on uh, being the deputy chief commissioner of the Met Police who were being sued. He, he, you know, he had his fingers in the pie. Yeah, absolutely. I mean,
0: he was, he was the only police witness, right?
2: He was, and uh, the other witnesses relied on are in the forms of letters from the police lawyers. Right. Um...
1: And they received assurances that they
0: wouldn't be required to give evidence. Right, that was... Who did those assurances come from?
1: The police lawyers who were writing to them, saying, could you tell us what you know about this case?
0: Right. So those assurances were given by police lawyers who were in no position to say that they couldn't... I mean, the the IPT is not... I mean, the court has no power to call these people.
1: I honestly don't know. It was... I did... When I was a litigant in person, I did raise the fact that I was interested in cross-examining a list of people based on the documents that I had seen, um, but I never, fa- I never really received a response as to whether it would be possible to mm. call those witnesses if they hadn't voluntarily come forward as witnesses in the case. Some,
2: some of them even refused to answer the letters. Right. And it was there and in often it's their lawyer speaking or writing to the police lawyers.
0: I guess it's the downfall of having a court that makes its own rules and doesn't know its own rules, is making up what's going along. Is that you know, if the if the police manage to word it correctly, they're able to get through things which you know and clearly that's worked in the past. Because I mean the court case was live streamed, that's you know, this this for a court which we were all told was Acted completely in secret. Yeah, this was. You <laughs> it's,
1: know. it's it's less secretive than the public inquiry, right? Um, I mean, there were there have been closed hearings. Absolutely, there right. was a closed hearing last Friday, but they are the approach that they have taken is we have the rule,
2: mm.
1: and there are very specific circumstances involving national security that mean that that rule needs to be applied. Um, so it's my understanding that there are matters that go to kind of the the general strategy of undercover policing that that are not necessarily specific to the facts of the case that the police have sought to keep secret i don't I mean, there are are other matters that the police have sought to keep secret that I honestly do not understand why. I mean, one of the things that went into a closed hearing and the police were given permission by the court to neither confirm nor deny was whether or not my boyfriend actually went to Thailand, like he told me, in Christmas of 2004. Um, So this is a... It's one of those things, like, like after 10 years of, you know, the, the, since that relationship, um, and, you you know, at the beginning you want to know everything, you want to know what every single day, but 10, le- 10 years later mm. you moved on with some things, but there, there are some things that still bug you.
0: Well, I mean, two I, I, <laughs> that's a memorable date to be in Thailand. Um, I'm sure people will recognise it.
1: So, Mark went off on the 20th of December, I believe, 2004 to Thailand Yep,
2: yeah. says to Thailand
1: um, and on the 24th of December 2004, I was sitting in Devon, in my uncle's living room and um, I saw the news that a tsunami had hit right. Thailand. There right. were thousands of people dead, yep. and uh, I didn't know if he was still alive. Right. Um, it's
0: incredibly distressing. I mean, you know, it was incredibly distressing for everybody what happened then. But to, if you thought, you know, somebody you you care about that much is in the middle of that, that is one of the most distressing things. Oh,
1: Christ. I spent 24 hours not knowing what had happened to him. He did eventually get into contact, and I was there. I was talking to. Other friends of his and, and you know, trying to find out what happened to him. On the 5th of January, uh, I went and picked him up from Heathrow Airport when he got home. Gaunt and traumatised right. from the experience. He said he hadn't been on the beach when the tsunami hit. He'd been further inland, but that he'd gone to the coast to help with the rescue efforts. And he described... The experience of digging a dead child out of the sand on a Thai beach. Um, and he was seemingly very distressed. It was extremely distressing. Um, we separated shortly after that, uh, and he went on to use those same traumatic experiences to uh, manipulate Lisa, who was a friend of mine who he... Had a relationship with that lasted six years, Um, and um,
0: And that's still to confirm or deny.
1: They they so so what we got, what we got was disclosure of the cover logs Mm. for the days covering his return, Mm. supposedly from Thailand. Right, and. Not in the final disclosure that we got from this legal team, but just before the previous legal team left, we got sent a sample of 200 pages of disclosure that was supposed to be a sample for us to look at how they were approaching redactions and make submissions to the call about the redaction process that they were proposing. Right. So that was the very first disclosure that we got and it included a page of this information about or a couple of pages of this information about Mark returning from Thailand, that uh, contained the phrase, we will have to watch the effect on source of these people showing that they care for him when we are lying to them. And that phrase was redacted in the disclosure that we were eventually given by the police. But I had already seen it, so I knew what it was. Um, that reveals
2: so much. That's that's uh, national security. Yeah, that was redacted <laughs> on national
1: security grounds. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, there are many, many redactions throughout the thousands of pages that we have got. Um, a lot of them are around comments between Mark and his handler at times when he is staying with my family for Christmas carol singing events and similar. And there's, like, redactions which are... The reason that we were given is that they are hiding sensitive undercover policing techniques, which he was using on my family. Um, but anyway, so the the Thailand stuff, there we also see how it appears that maybe he was driven to the airport by his handler Mm. in order to pretend to be getting off a plane and be met by me having actually returned to the country the previous day
2: from um, who knows where from who
1: knows where and so one of the questions that i put to the police in my case was did mark really go to thailand and it's hugely personally important to me to know the answer to that question it bugs me deeply of you know all of that horribly traumatic time was it true mm. you know did he really go to Thailand did he really get caught in the tsunami and was he in this crazy space where he was coming back from that crazy shit to to like having to lie to us and and mm. you know or did he not go to Thailand? And then got caught out by a major international event and a massive natural disaster and have to pretend to be coming back from Thailand. Well,
0: use yeah. it. I mean, he still, I mean, he used it, so partially it was.
1: Either way, he used it. Yeah, Either yeah,
0: way, yeah, he absolutely. used it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so um, I guess, I'm, I'm guessing you, you made these arguments to the court. On what grounds did they allow the you neither know, confirmed nor denied to continue? We don't know. No.
1: They basically said that they would allow them to neither confirm nor deny so my thinking is
2: there was a really important element to this in terms of the knowledge Mm. so your police officer Mm. if he has just been in Thailand for the tsunami and he's returning literally you know
1: traumatised from a natural natural disaster
2: and you're going to put him straight back into deployment right then um, you've, you've, well, you've got to be pretty certain that, about who he's, you know, when, mm. what he's going back yeah. to, and he's picked up by this by this woman at the airport.
1: And they're claiming they didn't really know who I was. And, and that's not
2: the only example of it's, a no. similar situation. But, but it's a lot but more it's
0: significant it's than just some holiday, right? I mean, right. it's, it's
2: so quite a big so
1: deal. So, one of one of, I mean, you know, obviously, like I say, this bugs me. It really bugs me, and it bugs me even more now that the police are Mm -hmm. applying NCND.
2: Knowing, if they knew that she was his partner, it explains why they couldn't simply collect him at the airport and take him straight to see a police psychiatrist and, you know, take him through counselling for what he's gone through. Mm. Um, But they didn't do that, which obviously they should have, if it Gone through that situation. The fact that they, you know, watch him get in the vehicle and go off with Kate is like, you knew. You had to know that this, he's going home with his girlfriend. It's going to be okay, he's going to be looked after. Mm.
1: Whether he was in Thailand, whether he wasn't, Mm. there were four or five senior officers receiving regular, more than once daily briefings during that first week that Mark was back from Thailand about what was going on who he was with and in that time he was here in this flat with my parents Um, and they're commenting about the fact that my parents are worried about him they're commenting on the fact that we're saying he looks unwell
0: this is something which the, the 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 IPT just did not did not allow it to be explored in any way. But there was a great deal of things we you did get... You've got disclosure on things more in this setting than anybody has in any other setting. Yeah. Um, yep. Do you want to talk about the things that you did get out of them? We got a lot. How long have you got? Um. <laughs> well, I mean, th- this is th- this this episode is going to be titled Part One. I mean, Part Two can happen whenever you like. <laughs>
2: yeah, I mean, there's the there's disclosure of the disclosure podcast. Yeah, so yes. we maybe yeah, we should touch w- on that. Yeah, yeah so yeah, yeah, I, think, I think I think we should I
1: think we should leave that. So my my approach to the disclosure at the moment,
0: yeah.
1: is that um, the court is deliberating. Mm. Yeah, and I don't want to do anything
0: mm.
1: that. Because because if I felt that they had slept through the entire trial, which, yeah. like I say, I have seen,
0: sure, sure, um,
1: then right now I would be hammering our evidence in public, yeah, to make it really clear. This is what we said,
0: yeah,
1: like w- whatever they were thinking while they were falling asleep yeah. in the courtroom. This is what the case is, but actually, I think they did listen, um, and well, they're thinking about it, and I want to. I want to wait and see. I don't want to piss them off. I want to let them think about it. Wait and see what they say.
0: To find out more about this topic, please visit spycops.info where you can find all the old episodes, subscribe to our newsletter, join our Facebook group, and a lot more besides. We're grateful to the campaign opposing police surveillance for their support, which has allowed us to buy some microphones. We want to improve more. If you'd like to support the podcast, please get in touch.